There's a speed limit in this state, Mr. Neff. 45 miles an hour. How fast was I going, officer? I'd say around 90. But what about us? Memories. You're talking about memories. Good, now have a drink. I don't want anything of his or any part of him. Except his life. I wonder if I know what you mean. I wonder if you want Played it for her, played it for me. I lived a few weeks while she loved me. Waiting for a lady. Someday you'll understand that. Got some news that's gonna take a lot of attention off you and Laura. Stop it, Dix. I can't take any more of it. I should be in uniform. You know the story? My story. Maybe because he was drunk. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. Well, I'll give her the message. I'd never sleep all over America. Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we will deliver a discussion and analysis of classic and neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Carly Street and Jason D. Morris. Good evening, Carly. That was creepy. <laughs> That, that was my, uh, uh, I can't think of the character's name. Oh, my God. Sesame Street, Dracula. Oh, no. The number guy. One. Oh, is it? Yeah. I was, it's not Captain <laughs> Crunch. <laughs> I was going to say Count Chocula, but it's the serial guy. <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> I don't know his name. Anyway, it was that a terrible was nice. impression of him anyway. <clears throat> so how are things going out there in the UK? Raining again. It's raining again. Okay. Well, I mean, hey, that's better than having COVID. It's just been outside. Yeah. I love the rain. You hate the rain though, right? True. Very true. Mm, well, move. Well, I would. I'm not allowed out the country. <laughs> <laughs> that's because I see it every day. Well, uh, not every day. Package yourself up and ship yourself, uh, you know, Oh, you know what? I think I yeah. bloody could. I mean, it's more likely. To get a rowboat to work. I watched this uh, documentary um, about uh, COVID in the UK. Um, good old Boris was on there and he was so dramatic. It was funny. Um, I mean, the whole thing was very dramatic. and He is very dramatic. Yeah, but it was based in London, so not too far from you. Miles. Mile, what? Miles? Oh, not that far. You're like, what would you say, two hours? Miles away. You're just trying to distance yourself from... Uh, it's like two hours and there's all the underground stuff. Oh, goodness. No, I don't like that place. Poor Carly. <laughs> we're, we're in our third our third lockdown right now. Are you you're in your third? I think so. Yeah. We, had, we had a lockdown that wasn't a lockdown, but then it turns out it was a lockdown. Yeah. This is our like official third stay in your house lockdown. This is official official? Yeah. The other one was like, please don't leave the house. Unless you have to do everything that means leaving the house. And now you can leave you can't leave the house at all? Well, I think that must be next to be able to wave at people through the bloody window. <laughs> we could leave the house to go to work and go shopping. And then lots of places are click and collect. You're still at work? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. I know. So some sad news. Um Matt, uh composer that worked on uh, Millennium Apocalypse and Dark Winter and various other projects that we've done. Um, his grandmother just passed away from COVID. Um, oh, what a shame. Yeah. So he's, you know, kind of tore up. He just, he just had a loss, you know, last year with his, his father passing away. 
that hit him pretty hard and now his, his grandmother's passed away and it's, it's kind of shitty because um honestly it's really his mom's fault um she she contracted it and knowingly still went about going places and doing things and spreading it around and no. went to grandma she lives like they live in the same little like complex like a, um uh a, a, a retired a retiree like complex you know so they have par- apartments right next to each other and even though she you knows she got it she was still going over to her mom's house and um gave it to her and she ended up passing away it's just really horrible that's shocking yeah um uh, you know i don't know i wish people would be a little more more safer and more less less careless about it and more respectful of other people it's, it's kind of horrible but um yeah you know uh I, so out here things are in california which i i would have been surprised but these days i'm just not surprised about anything anymore but california is just on fire with uh covid it's uh, one of the worst states right now uh, particularly LA. Really? Well, we're the we're, we're the worst country in the world, apparently. Oh, are you so. really? Oh boy. Yeah, right there with you. So. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just I don't know. But that's, I mean, if you saw the sample of the people I deal with at work, you'd understand. They can't even stand in a square. They're like children. You'd probably have a better, you'd easier time in a play school. <laughs> it's like stand on the yellow square, and they're like, they won't stand on the yellow square. They have to put their foot just off it. Get on. The yellow square. You get on the yellow square. I'm on my yellow square. You get on your yellow square. You are about 67. Get on the square. Well, if I don't want to get on the square, then get out the shop. Shouldn't be here anyway. Get in your house. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. It's like... That's, that's my day. That's my day at work every day. <laughs> Going to the grocery store, it's the same way. You can be standing in line and they have these like little sticker things on the floor that are separated six feet. And the idea is that you stand on the sticker. People just can't seem to yeah. fucking do it. And they're like, they're just acting like it's normal. Like to just, you know, stand close to each other like they normally do. And it's just, it's like, come on, learn people, learn. <laughs> You know? It's like they're playing The Floor is Lava with the stickers <laughs> that you've got to stand on. Oh, I can't go in there. It's a trap door. No, that's where you're meant to be. Get on that. And then when they come to the counter, even though there's a Perspex glass, like plastic, <laughs> they're trying to lunge around the side of it. What are you doing? Get too far over the counter. They're, they're going to put a T-shirt on you and make you work. Get off. Get away. <laughs> Children are horrible with like standing in line and doing things like that, but they're a hell of better than adults are. <laughs> Yeah, at least they're young. <laughs> My God. <laughs> and then they're coming at you with bits of plastic. Like, where's that been? In my toilet. Well, get it away from me, please. <laughs> I don't want that right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a crazy world right now. It's not, it's supposed to be getting better, but it's not. It's getting worse. Um, I mean, we have the vaccine. You guys have the vaccine as well, right? It's manufactured over there, isn't it? Or at least one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it yeah. rolling out faster or better for you guys than it is us, or is it happening? Uh, I wouldn't like to comment on that, to be honest, because I don't. They say it's around, and I've seen, I think, one person on Facebook that's had it. That's, oh, that's yeah. It. Oh, boy. Out here, it's like yeah. you have to be 65 or older to get it, or um, have, uh, I, I, don't, I guess, um, be in a, uh, uh, or like a, um, what do you call it? I'm trying to get a, not. I'm trying not to say old folks I'm like home, front <laughs> but you know, an old folks home. You hear that? <laughs> convalescent hospital or, or something like that, I guess. Um, 
Oh, so she like work in the hospitals or something? Like yeah, I guess it's line. like uh, first responders, um, people over sixty-five, or if you're in a convalescent hospital, um, you can you can get it, but you can't otherwise. Um, and apparently, they're so uh, like understaffed and underfunded in order to distribute the vaccines. They have the vaccines; they have plenty of them, apparently. But they're understaffed, underfunded. They can't get them out to people. Um, so they're, I guess, calling on dentists and I don't know, veterinarians or some, I don't know, just other, you know, adjacent medical professions in order to help vaccinate people. Drug dealers, maybe? Anyone, <laughs> maybe, that's yeah. drug Anyone that can handle a needle? Do you want to report down to this shop at this time? Are you a drug dealer? Do you shoot up? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever Come shot serve up? your country. <laughs> <laughs> I could see a Paul Verhoeven movie coming in about 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't know if I'd want a dentist prodding me with the bloody needle. I don't want anybody prodding me with a needle, but I mean, I'm not scared of needles, but I've had a bad experience giving blood uh, where this woman stuck me so many times in one of my arms that my arm like swelled up swelled it swelled up swollened up <laughs> swelled it up got bigger whatever the word is <laughs> got big <laughs> not in a good way um and i like almost fainted <laughs> oh it was a terrible blood giving experience so anyways i'm like it i'm not scared of needles but that experience like scarred me <laughs> it actually literally scarred me because i still have one of the holes in my arm you can see um so I didn't. I didn't get a cookie or orange juice either. That pissed me off. Ah, <laughs> oh, salts. I don't like needles. Yeah, I don't mind them. Um, I did get. I did recently go to a dentist. So speaking of dentists, and they had to do uh, like some. I, I don't know what you call it. Um, drill one of my back teeth or whatever. Uh, a long time ago, I had a teeth like break through, like a, a molar like come through and break another tooth. Anyway. The guy that gave me the shot, he gave me like six shots on the side of my face. And oh my God, they every I'm like, the first one obviously didn't work because I could feel every single shot after. Man, getting a shot in your gums like is no joke. That shit hurts. <laughs> dentist. Ugh. Yuck. Should have been a dentist just to torture people. <laughs> That's what it is. They're like just like serial killers that don't kill people. They're like the prelude. <laughs> To Hannibal. <laughs> All right, let's get into the time. Uh, Jesus. Let's get. <laughs> so <laughs> it's still at that in your face. You're right. Let's <laughs> get into the nice drink, Harley. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into tonight's drink. I need to think about what I'm saying before I say it. That might help. <laughs> no, it don't. It's funnier when you don't. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, you know, this. this Tonight's drink has nothing to do with anything other than I just found it and it sounded awesome. Um, and I'm not sure if you're going to like it because you don't seem to like much other than gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but this drink is called a Maple New York Sour. And I like um, sweet and sours. Uh, I think they're awesome. Um, and I like most drinks that use uh, like a sweet and sour like mix to it as well. Um, things like a lemon drop or a, um, a whiskey sour or something like that. 
Um, so this one caught my eye, but it looks amazing. Uh, like if you look up a picture of Maple New York Sour, it looks awesome. This drink, hold on, I gotta find my ingredients list. Ah, uh, I'm gonna look for, what is it, a Maple New York Sour? <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna look for a picture, it better be good. It, it looks great. Um, looks weird it's two different colors yeah yeah right <laughs> so the ingredients are two ounces of rye whiskey or bourbon i would use the bourbon because i don't really like rye whiskey um, a little too strong for me um one ounce of fresh lemon juice i also don't like lemon juice but i'm willing to give it a shot <laughs> i mean there's a lot of things that you're not keen on so far <laughs> It is, but at least I'm not just sticking to gin because I hate gin. I don't know. I bought the, I have this huge <laughs> bottle of gin sitting over here because you recommended it and I never really had it before. And I can't fucking drink it. Oh, you see, it makes me sick to think of that bottle just it sat there collecting dust. weird taste to it. It makes, I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. Two to three. Or, <laughs> two to three, four. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> <clears throat> Two to four teaspoons of maple syrup. Sinister. <laughs> uh, and a half ounce of fruity red wine. So I guess a, a red wine that's on the fruitier side, which I haven't come up against many of those, but maybe a blended wine might work. Or uh, a port, you know, can be pretty uh, syrupy. Um, I'm not sure if you'd want that with the syrup as well, but uh, it's, you know, doesn't doesn't give you too much to go on other than a fruity red wine. Two ounces of bourbon, one ounce of fresh lemon juice, uh, two to four teaspoons of maple syrup uh, to taste whatever you like, and a half ounce of fruity red wine. God, fruity fruity red wine. Fruity red wine. I say it five times fast. <clears throat> so instructions: fill a cocktail shaker or mason jar, uh, about two thirds full with ice. Pour in the whiskey, the lemon juice, and maple syrup. Securely fasten the lid and shake for about 30 seconds. So you don't need a shaker, I guess. You just put it in your glass and shake it. Interesting. Pour fresh ice onto your cocktail glass. Strain, oh no, I guess you do, do use a shaker. I guess they're, uh, their instructions here are a little off. So put all the contents into a shaker, shake it, strain it into your cocktail glass. Strain the cold whiskey sour mixture into the glass. Slowly pour the wine over the back of the spoon held just above the drink's surface so it has a nice layered effect. Oh, that's interesting. Alright, so you turn your spoon over to the rounded edge and pour the wine over it and I guess it creates that separation that you're seeing in the image. Can you imagine trying to make that when you're already drunk? <laughs> That'd probably make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the count red and sticky? Um. <laughs> oh, they do have uh, a note here about the wine. Look for wine descriptions that suggest notes of cherry, plum, and berries. And if you should find a winner, uh, and, oh, I just can't read. And you should find a winner. Jesus Christ. I just quit. I should quit now. <laughs> <laughs> I just wouldn't use a particularly spicy or dry red wine here. I use an organic 2014 Cabernet Sauvignon from Trader Joe's label rare. Okay. I'm sure you don't have Trader Joe's out there. I don't know. Maybe you do. No. It's a... Uh, one of those organic uh, food stores. I don't know if you have those, but anyway. So it sounds good. It looks good. I, I can't wait to uh, 
to try this out. It's super high in calories, so beware. It's like almost 300 calories. So if uh, you know, you're watching your weight like I am, that's uh, not good for you, but it's worth a shot. All right, guys, so that's your uh, drink for tonight. Give it a shot and let us know what you think of it. And here's the trailer for tonight's movie. What's your story, Thomas? A man looking for a new start. Close the time, Doc. Were you a doctor? I was. In a dead-end town. You know how to make a slow, comfortable screw? You are wicked. You have no idea. No! Ah! He's your husband. Maybe you could help. I had to cut your brother up on a dining room table. He's going to need serious antibiotics. Any idea where we can get those? Will you help me? You can take a picture of the with you. I came here to lay low, all right? I mean, last 24 hours, I committed like seven parole Great. violations. And now you want me to just skip town? Think about it, Thomas. It could be amazing. I don't trust him. I just, I don't like the way he's always looking at Sonny. What if he never woke up? Then we wouldn't have to keep looking over our shoulders for the rest of our lives. I don't know if I could do that. He wouldn't even be alive if you hadn't come along and messed with fate. Well, you just think you're so smart, don't you? Oh, shit. Put the gun down. Vincent Ventresca. Brian Austin Green. Alexandra Holden. Nicholas Turturro. And Greg Henry. Purgatory Flats. Alright guys, that was the trailer for the 2003 film, or 2010, which we'll get into that later, film Purgatory Flats, directed by Harris Dunn. And Harris was done after this film because I believe it's the last film he directed. He did not do anything for his career. Uh, however, um, this movie does star one of my favorite actors, Vincent Ventresca, who I just adore. I think he's amazing in anything that he does. He doesn't show up very often. He's done a lot of TV, but he's, uh, you know, when he shows up in a movie, he's just, he's just fun. Uh, most of you will know him from. Uh, friends, he was fun, Bobby. Um, and uh, the ones that the people that I like remember him from The Invisible Man, a sci fi uh, TV show uh, from 2001, I believe. Um, it also has uh, Brian Austin Green um, and another uh, interesting uh, character actor that I love, Greg Henry. Um, who you might uh, recognize him from Slither, Body Double, and he's even in uh, the Guardian of the Galaxy movies. 
But before we really get into this film, uh, Carly is going to give us horror. I can't talk. That's too early for me. And it's too late for you, right? (laughs) (laughs) These are the challenges, folks, of having a podcast that records on opposite ends of the earth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's night and day. Um, Pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. I'm still waking up. Forgive me. That's why I can never pronunciate anything. Pronunciate anything. Pronunciation is not my thing. I mean, I'm probably well, kind that. of like this at like <laughs> ten o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> it's not ten o'clock in the morning here, though. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Carly, give us your. Uh, well, let's cue the music. Carly's dramatic in a nutshell music. God. And now it's time for Carly's super famous in a nutshell synopsis. I don't know which one to do first, the one that's going to annoy you or the other one. I think you should do the one that will annoy me. (laughs) Okay. I'm really hoping it's going to trigger you. Me too. I can't wait. Yeah. I'll be disappointed if it doesn't. Okay. (laughs) Ross's inappropriate girlfriend from Friends leads the invisible man towards a deadly web of intrigue, murder and double cross. Why would that piss me off? That's hilarious. I don't. I, it just seemed like a really millennial way to describe it. Well, I mean, Friends isn't really a millennial show, so it's cool. I, I never watched Friends, but I did watch that episode. Um, so, I mean, I'm cool with that. You got to give me the other version. That's probably going to piss me off more. Oh, yeah. Maybe not. Still going to be disappointed now. Uh, the other one was fresh out of jail a doctor quite literally takes a trip to purgatory and gets caught up in its sinister loop of bad decision making there you go that's more of a noir synopsis there that's perfect but i did like your other one it was very very funny <laughs> thank you yeah um so you were gonna shout like he's not the invisible man his name's vincent <laughs> i'm man to those on the know <laughs> <laughs> Uh, interesting um, tidbit. My um, first feature film that I directed, um, I shot in this uh, old Victorian house up in um, Tracy, which is not Tracy. Uh, shit, what, what was the town? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I can't even think of the name of the town right now. It's right next. It's like. There's a house somewhere. in my fucking backyard. It was at a winery called the Concanyon Vineyard. And they had this uh, house that that was just sitting there, right, that they weren't using. It was this beautiful-looking Victorian house. And you go inside, and it's like it has not been really maintained. It's It needs help, right? And we're like, oh, my God, this is perfect. So we were doing a, a horror film. Uh, it was called Hell House. And... Um, we shot in this place for almost 30 days. And um, then after we did this, I found out that um, there was another movie already shot there uh, like a year or two before called Dead and Breakfast, which was sort of, I mean, it was the tagline of the movie was America's answer to Shaun of the Dead. Um, oh, cool. I love Shaun of the Dead. 
but this was not, should not have been the answer to Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it, it's fun. It's a fun movie, but it's nowhere. It's you know, I think um, even Carrie Fisher's in it. There's a whole bunch of people in this movie, um, and Vincent Ventresca was in it, um, which I was like, oh my god, I shot in a location. Oh my God, his feet were here. Oh my God, I wonder if his hand touched this piece of wallpaper. Let me see if I can fry it off. I found a lock of his hair. No, but um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that was, I shot that in 2008. So, um, you know, it's it's been quite a while, but I don't know. I just thought that was cool and it was a fun movie. And I had actually already seen it. I just didn't know that that was the house it was shot at. So it was really cool to go through and shoot my own movie in a lot of the same rooms that you see in this other film. Um, they had more money and, you know, their movie is probably better, but uh, it was still pretty neat. So anyways. Um, and now then, uh, you've got like a lock of his hair, so. <laughs> no, <laughs> not that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I am I am a fan of the guy. I think he's, I think he's fantastic. He just has, he has got tremendous comedic, ability like timing he, he's got um he's also got that sort of like cool guy leading man thing going on um so there's a, there's a lot of different aspects to him too he can play super goofy as well um so he, he's got an, a nice nice range and i actually tried to cast him in another film that i did in 2011 um called betrayal but uh my producing partner uh sort of forced another actor on us um, which, you know, was sad because Vincent would have been perfect. It was the sort of Italian right hand gangster man, right hand man gangster guy. I don't know what the right terminology is. I really hope when you pitched it to him, you weren't like, it's a gangster right hand man dude with hair. Uh. It's, it's the leather Guido dude. <laughs> Can you do that? I think that's probably a slur. I win. Um, but no, um, yeah, so that didn't work out, but, um, I don't know. Maybe something in the future, uh, you know, we can use him in because he's he's pretty amazing to me. He needs he's severely underutilized, in my opinion. Um, and he showed up in some. I of, like uh, him a lot. Yeah, he showed up in um, uh, Monk. Uh, that was a fun episode that he was in. He's he's done a lot of TV stuff, but yeah, he's great. I mean, you didn't even know who he was. Like, I had a hard time getting you to watch him. I had Man. no idea. I had no idea at all for ages. I would just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, more people need to Well, we to were talking them. about Travis. Yeah, Travis for Remember, you really watched him for Travis. Yeah, I would love And that. I didn't know who the hell he was. Yeah. And then I accidentally watched the entire two seasons of The Invisible Man. <laughs> accident. And then I was like, let's, it was an accident. It just kept rolling. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I love this dude. We have to get him for Room 19. Yeah, I'm totally on board. And you're, and then all of a sudden you were like, eh, eh, well, I've seen uh, this other guy. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Got to be hooked. Now this is happening. <laughs> He's Make it happen. I don't I don't care what you do. Tell him lies. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have a friend that knows him. Um so I, I could I could try. I mean, I could just contact his agent again like I did last time. That that went over, you know, fine. But um I do have a friend that that is friends with him. Um and actually at one point he- they had me making his social media stuff, but he's not like a social media guy. Like he, I guess he's not on Facebook or any of that crap, but um, he was, I guess at one point wanting to, or she was trying to get him to into it. So she had me design his 
Twitter account and his Facebook account and stuff like that, but he just never did anything with it. So, um, who knows? Maybe, maybe we can, uh, technically they owe you a thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe. Um, but yeah, so maybe, uh, maybe one day we'll, we'll get him in something, but, and then obviously, uh, Brian Austin green is in this, who's from uh, nano two and Um, I was pretty surprised by him in this. Um, I thought he did, uh, I thought he did pretty well. He seemed to play somebody different than he normally does. Um, and I don't particularly care for him. Anything else I've seen him in, uh, definitely wasn't a nano two and O fan. Sorry, Troy. Yeah. Sorry, Troy. <laughs> I was forced to watch it a lot because my sister, you know, obviously watched it. Oh um, yeah. That old chestnut. Yeah. So, um, but you know, um, he did, he did a pretty good job. He surprised me. He plays, you know, sort of like the hot headed thug of the film among many, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, um, I'm going to go back a little bit to the year that this movie was made. There's literally no information out there that I can find on this film um, other than the year it was made and when it was released. Um, It was shot originally in 2003. And I'm assuming that Ventresca is in it because he was just coming off of the invisible man. I think that ended in the end of 2002 or end of 2001, something like that. And then he did um, because Sci-Fi Channel canceled the show. Like this, the show had amazing ratings. It was going into syndication. They were at Comic Con every year. Um, it had a huge following. And it was really good. Yeah, it was. But really? it, it was it was huge for you know that that time period. It was like their number one show. Um, but it was expensive to make because of the invisibility um, special effects, right? So Sci-Fi. I guess had somebody come in and um, replace whoever runs their programming or something like that. And they had decided to cancel it. And instead they picked up Stargate SG one. And I don't understand that move. If it had to do with special effects being too expensive, like that doesn't make any sense, yeah. but that's what was said. Um, Cause there's a lot of special effects in Stargate as well. Plus Richard Dean Anderson. I mean, I'm sure he commanded more of a paycheck uh, as well. As I would imagine so. They're not all of the cast of flipping the invisible man. Yeah. Um, I mean, Paul Ben Victor is a well-known actor um, that's been around for years. So I'm sure he, he got a pretty good paycheck in, in that show and um, Hobbs in, in invisible man. Um, but uh Eddie Jones, he was a, you know, he's a character actor. He shows up in a lot of feature films. He's, he's since passed away um, last year, I believe it was. But um, everybody else, I think, was relatively unknown. Although The Keeper, I can't remember her name right now, is married to that dude whose name I can't remember. Who <laughs> <laughs> was in that show about he that was thing. In, no, no, he was in, I know what show he's in. He's in he's, he was in Lost. And yeah, he was, wasn't he, he in one of the Batman films? Oh, I don't know about that. He was the films. mayor, wasn't he? He was the mayor in one of the Batman films. Possibly, the yeah. Christopher Nolan ones. Maybe, I'm not sure. But he was also in um, the uh, uh, Bates Motel TV show. He played the cop. Oh, I like the dude that. has like the permanent eyeliner in his eyes, you know? Yes. Uh, anyway, she's married to him. Um, and I know he's got like a new show or something. I've seen him in. I can't remember what it is. But anyway, uh, 
Now I went off on a fucking tangent. I don't know what the hell I was talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, Carla, let's take a break real quick and talk to our listeners about our sponsors. You're listening to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, the show that brings you binge drinking with a side of noir with your hosts, Carly Street and Jason D. Morris. Oh, getting back to the year the show was made, or the movie was made. So I think, I think Ventresca, so he, he came off Invisible Man and he did this like series of movies for Sci-Fi Channel. I think there was like three or four movies that he did for them. It was like their way of paying him back for canceling his show, which is a really shitty thing to do because longevity with a TV show is, I think, way more powerful or can be, especially in today's world, than you know, a couple low budget sci-fi movies. Um, but yeah, it looks like this movie was made right there at that time. So I don't know if it was originally meant to be sort of part of sci-fi's new programming, because this is about the time where they started the sci-fi channel. I don't know if you guys get it out there in the UK, but they started doing some really weird crap. All of a sudden they started playing wrestling and they started having like action movies and there was all kinds of like different crap on there that wasn't had nothing to do with sci-fi um and then strange their for new the flagship, channel yeah it's weird it's weird and they changed their name uh from like the actual spelling of sci-fi to s-y-f-y uh which is all weird i don't know the whole thing was weird um all from this new you know lead of you know the sci-fi channel person did all this weird stuff um so I'm wondering if this might have been a, a project that was meant to sort of fit into that because uh, another weird thing about this movie was it was shot for television. Like it's it shot in a, um, a, a one, three, three format, which is the, you know, square framing. It's, it's not, wasn't shot in widescreen, which is very strange for 2003 because um, almost everything by that time had switched to widescreen uh, filming. And uh, this particular movie was not. It's got a TV movie feel to it, hasn't it? Yeah, it does. And I, I, you know, I honestly think that the reason why has a lot to do with the music in the movie. Uh, I think that the cinematography is decent and I think the acting is decent. And I think the story is definitely not made for TV type of story. Like that's the one thing that sort of throws me off because it's sort of like a risque sort of like storyline. You know, there's, there's drugs, there's sex, there's all kinds of stuff in this. That's not, you know, doesn't scream made for TV, maybe made for like Showtime or something like that. Um, But that's the only thing that kind of throws me off because uh, it does feel like a made for TV kind of movie. But I I chalk that up to the, the music. I think the music in this movie is terrible and that's the one fault I think it has. Um, cause they really stuck with this sort of like, uh, backwater sort of Southern twangy country feel. Yeah. And it, it does kind it. of cheapen it a little bit. Yeah. And like, I get it. He's in, he went to a small town, but I mean, you know, don't need that sort of twangy music every five seconds. <laughs> it's like, no. you know, and I feel like Ventresca's performance in this is way, way better than the movie is like there's just certain scenes where it's just like he's he's really great in it but the the way it's edited and the way it's 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 just sort of put together just doesn't serve the acting at all um and that happens with a couple of the characters really um 
And so that's, I mean, there's little things like that that kind of get on my nerves, but uh, still for, for the time that it was shot and it being that sort of neo-noir kind of film, um, I, I thought the story of it was perfect. Like it completely falls within the noir category uh, from the femme fatale to the, you know, the lead sort of down and out guy. Um, it just getting entwined with this whole love story thing. I mean, all of it just sort of, it, it's perfect for, for a noir film. Yeah, I agree. I liked it. I liked that a lot. Yeah. But getting back to the 2003 shooting time frame, strangely, this film wasn't released until 2010. Um, don't know. It's a why. long time to have a film sat there, isn't it? It's a long time. Yeah. That's like seven years. Um, and it doesn't make sense to me because Ventresco was, I wouldn't say he was like hot at the time, but he was, he was pretty popular coming off of Invisible Man. Um, like there was, he's always going to have a fan base as well. Yeah. I mean, there was a huge, really honestly, and I know now it's like 20 years later, but at the time there was a huge fan base for that show. Um, it just doesn't make sense that this movie didn't come out then, you know? Um, nobody remembers him at this point, but I mean, there was like, like I said, four sci-fi movies that came out. Um, then he did a bunch of guest starring on TV. Um, there, I mean, he was, he was around, um, obviously friends, you know, but, uh, yeah. and then right after, uh, invisible man, he landed another lead in another TV show. Um, and I think a third one as well after that one ended. So I don't know. It's just really strange that it came out in 2010 and I can't find any information about it. There's not a whole lot of information on the director, um, Harris Dunn. Uh, he actually is a cinematographer. It looks like by trade. That's what he does mostly. Um, and this is one of the few films that he actually directed and he hasn't directed since this film. So I don't know if it's sort of a fallout from the producing company or if it was just deemed a not, not a great film or whatever it might be um, because people that see this do not give this film typically give this film a good rating. Uh, like the ratings that I've seen, which are scattered and there's not a whole lot of them um, are not generally favorable. Um, it's usually only the people that are, that like noir and recognize it for that, that really like the film, um, which is sad to me because I think it's, I think it's really good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's some sort of history about this film that just, I can't find. And I, I wish that I could figure that out because when I first saw this film and I'm surprised that it didn't get released till 2010, because I swear to God, I seen this before that. Um, I swear I've seen it before that, but it's not. And maybe I caught, maybe it was originally released on TV and never shown again until 2010 released on DVD or something. Oh, I'm not sure. Maybe. That, that could have been, but I can't, I can't find anything on it. Oh, I just checked the director out. You know, he, he did a film with Luke Perry called storm. I remember watching that. I used to oh, love shit. that. Yeah, I, I love the tagline. You will get wet. You will get wet. And there's a picture of Luke Perry's face and it just says storm. <laughs> <laughs> that had to come out around the time that the tornadoes movies came out, you know, like the Bill Paxton movie, um, Twister. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, I don't know. He's got an airplane on his poster. So <laughs> I remember seeing it and being obsessed with it. And now yeah. I don't know why. I'm going to have to watch it again. 
Yeah, I do anyway. remember that movie though. Because <laughs> Luke Perry didn't do a whole lot of films, but um, you know, you noticed him when he when when there was one with him. That's funny. <clears throat> Maybe that was a sci-fi channel movie. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like one. <laughs> Or Asylum, maybe. <laughs> uh, Asylum did a lot of movies for sci-fi. <laughs> there's, there's no, like, dinosaur or anything on the poster, so. <laughs> Damn it. Like, it's not an island, because there's no snake or anything. <laughs> um, and one last person shows up in this movie that was interesting. If any of you uh, remember uh, NYPD Blue... Uh, Nicholas Totoro was in this, um, who, who, you know, was fine. He basically was him, you know, he's kind of the same in everything that he's in. Um, but it was, it was in NYPD blue he was in, right. Or was it, uh, was it that other, wait, was it? Yeah, it was right. You don't know what I'm talking uh, about. Yeah. It says NYPD blue. Yeah. It was. Okay. I was kind of thinking it was like that. What's that show? Special Victims Unit or uh, Don Don? Ah, uh, Law and Order. <laughs> Law and Order, yeah. <laughs> Don Don. <laughs> mother's been on that show. <laughs> um, you should describe TV shows just by making a noise. <laughs> Don Don. <laughs> right. <laughs> Whenever you do that with like Millennium, because Millennium does that, everybody's like, oh, Law and Order. No. <laughs> <laughs> not law and order that's a dom dom this is a douche douche <laughs> alright so getting into this movie this movie starts out on a pretty bleak note um, oh uh, um, uh, Alexandra Holden right yeah are you there I feel yeah. like I'm losing you I think your internet connection is going out oh it's probably the monsoon weather sweeping me up yeah it could be I don't know don't wash away Carly I know can't swim man <laughs> you really no. You you can't swim? No. Why? Because I'm scared of water. <laughs> really? No, I am not. That's why planes terrify me. It's like when they're over the water, I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't swim. Pose. I can, like. You won't even know you're over the water. <laughs> I can, like, go around in a circle like a dog does, moving, like, like one arm and one leg. That's about it. Carly paddle. <laughs> Yeah, it ain't Baywatch, I tell you what. Streets tried to teach me like three times and just got that fed up. He's like, Do you know what? Drown. <laughs> oh my god. Because <clears throat> as soon as it goes in my face, I think I think that I am drowning. Like it's not. It's on my face and I'm like, Oh god, oh god, oh god. and he's like, You can touch the floor. <laughs> for some reason i just freak out when water goes near my oh, nostril oh boy <laughs> uh, that's funny and if it gets in my eyes mm. that's it okay uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> well, uh, anyway so, so this movie starts out pretty bleak uh we've got a doctor who uh is driving home with his wife and they're getting a little frisky in the car and they're a little drunk and they end up hitting a truck and his wife dies because he's driving. Obviously, he, uh, you know, is sentenced to uh, prison for I, I what was it, like five years or something. 
seemed like you got I think you so, know, yeah. a, a light but decent sentence, you know. Um, and I believe in the beginning of the movie, it says that it was uh, involuntary manslaughter, but then later on the movie says he was sentenced for vehicular manslaughter. So I think he's a little confused about what he was even in jail for. I guess it warps your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyways, he went to jail for some sort of manslaughter. Um, probably. And I, would, I don't know if that'd be involved. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> and the movie picks up right away right after the car crash with him getting out of prison. Uh, we don't get to see what his life's like in there. We don't get to see what happens to him or any of that stuff over the course of five years. He's just out and he's done. He's not going back to the, medical world he's moving on trying to start a new life and he stops in this little town called purgatory flats why would you stop in a town called purgatory flats i guess because you're figuratively purposely putting yourself in purgatory and that's what he's doing uh this guy blames himself for killing his wife who he's deeply madly in love with and is torturing himself um and that's kind of the sense that you get uh, with this film. So I think it's aptly titled, uh, you know, film for that. I, I think it, it, it's perfect for what he's doing. Um, and right away, I mean, they don't waste a whole lot of time in this film. They give you just enough backstory to, to give a shit. And then they're moving right along. Um, in classic noir fashion, right? We're introduced to a couple CD characters in the bar that he, you know, finagles uh, a job uh with the, the the bar owner um we see a couple of the other cd characters in the film uh and we meet a spitting image of his wife uh who's played by alexander holden and he becomes quickly infatuated with her because she looks so much like his wife it's like he blinks and he's in love yeah and i can understand that because if he's you know i mean he killed his wife and he's carrying that and they obviously had a great relationship. Um, so I can totally understand that. And I'm not hundred percent certain that the actress that I, I can't think of her name in the movie, but the, that this actress doesn't also play his wife because she really oh, does look a lot like her. Um, you know, but the wife is in the movie so little, it was hard for me to like tell and I didn't look at the credits, unfortunately. <laughs> But she looks a lot like her. So I totally understand like that sort of very quick uh, attachment, uh, infatuation of that, you know, because he's like, you know, I can I can get this back again kind of thing. Um, And then we find out she's married, you know, and this sort of like infatuation takes him on this tailspin of this seedy underground world of who would have guessed purgatory flats? I guess all this bad shit always happens in all these tiny, small towns. Like you'll have a town of 800 people, but it's got like the number one crime rate in America. <laughs> it's like how the shit 800 works. people and 600 serial killers and the other 200 are the victims. Right. It's, <laughs> it's strange how that works, but it's, yeah. Um, and I understand like the small towns and being uh, sort of saturated with drugs. And that seems to be a common theme, especially in like flyover States over here in the U S uh, you know, there, there's nothing to do. There's nothing, you know, nowhere to go, nothing to do. So they are either alcoholics or drug addicts, not everybody. I'm just saying that it's a, 
It's a common occurrence. It happens. So we, we get to see that in this small little town. You can see that it's, there's a lot of drug activity going on in this town. Um, you got the cops that are kind of trying their best, but you know, what can they really do? Um, but this family, um, you know, that Vincent Vitresca's character gets mixed up in, um, they're, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're like bad people, but they're, they're not damaged bunch of people. Yeah. Damage is a good way to put it, you know, especially the uncle, uh, you know, played by, um, uh, Greg Henry. I mean, he seems like a pretty good guy until they show you what he's doing uh, to the girl, you know, which isn't great. Um, that makes him you yeah. know, kind of disgusting, but not kind of. He is. Um, but up to that point, like they just seem like they're, you know, like you said, just kind of damaged and they're just going about their lives and, and whatnot. And uh, the Brian Austin Green character is just getting mixed up in some bad stuff. He's gone AWOL from, the, I guess, the military and they're looking for him and um, you know, and it's just, it's just a bad situation around people making bad choices, you know? And, yeah. uh, so her fiance or fiance or, or husband, I can't, I think they're married. Husband, husband. Husband. They were married. Yeah. Right. So he's going to do this drug deal, I guess, buy some drugs or something like that. And I, I believe that he's, they're going to like, uh, uh, I can't remember. Were they going to shake him down? Were they going to try to steal the drugs? Can't remember exactly what was going on. I think so. Yeah, they were yeah, trying to double gonna, cross. Yeah, double cross from whatever. Um, so when the Nicholas Toro character shows up to do the deal with them, he's already also planning to double cross. So it's a double cross, double cross, <laughs> and everybody gets shot, and you know whatever. The husband gets shot, the girl gets shot in the arm, um, and this is where Vincent Matreska's character comes in. Um, they remember hearing him that he was a doctor and so they get him and get him to patch up the husband. Um, and he urges him to go to the hospital that he doesn't have the supplies that he needs or whatever, but anyways, he managed to do it just fine. Um, which was a pretty decent, believable medical sequence. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't, most of those end up being kind of cheesy, but um, I thought that actually, you know, they did a pretty good job with that. Um, yeah. And this fuels his infatuation with the girl, you know, uh, so that, that keeps going. He gets closer to her, you know, and she seems to be a little um, standoffish for a little while. Like she holds her, you know, she's married and holds her ground sort of thing, which, um you know, was, was good, you know, uh, hmm. but, uh, that slowly changes over time. Um, what, what did you kind of think of that sort of dynamic to me? It was very, very classic noir sort of relationship between these two people. Yeah, it was because they weren't, it wasn't just like, um, she was falling at his feet immediately. I like the fact that they were a little bit, it was the family pushing him more on her, like her to be nice to him. It was the family that were like, no, he's a doctor. He's going to help us. He can get us supplies. He can do this. Be nice to him. And she was kind of like, oh, fucking whatever. Yeah. And then he's just there in the corner, like pretending not to smile, like. (laughs) (laughs) Did you not notice that? I think they were like, I really could hear that they were like, he can get us drugs. So, you know, just smile at him. And he's just there like, dude, 
do, do, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <clears throat> and I, I, that's what I really loved about the story because you don't know it when it happens, but she's got motives. So when she finally yeah. does loosen up and get close to him, it's not really because she likes him. It's because she's, she came up with an idea. Um, and that was to kill her husband. She's uh, seen a better opportunity. Yeah. Um, and God, Vincent's such a sucker. <laughs> it is a bit like run out, run out, just go. But then again, they did do a good job of painting her out as the victim, I'd say, for a while. They did a really yeah. good job of making her quite a character because because she'd been so hard on him. When she did mm -hmm. start to sort of soften, it was natural. And you it looked like she was softening because, you know, he was nicer and he asked her how she was and it was totally different than what a husband seemed to have been like. And then you yeah. realise, oh, no, they're not case. Yeah. I'm going to have to start using the characters' names because I'm, I feel like I'm – I keep using the cast names and it's just going to get confusing. So just for everybody at home, Vincent Ventresca plays Thomas Reed. Oh shit. You know what I just remembered? I totally forgot I did this. <clears throat> so I liked this movie so much when I came out, when I wrote uh, the script after dark, which has now become Ashton falls. I named the lead character, Thomas Reed. <laughs> yeah um i totally forgot that i did that though um but yeah that's where i got that name from was from this movie <clears throat> um so he he's he gets really drawn in very easily to her especially when her her flip switches and she comes up with her new life scenario um you know in a lot of ways this really kind of reminds me of double indemnity um with that sort of like, I know there's a lot of noir films, but it just has to do with like them playing off each other um, and not being romantically involved, like right away. And then hatching the plot of killing the husband. Um, there's just things like that, that just really kind of remind me of double indemnity. But uh, I could honestly say that I was surprised to find that out. Like when he comes back to the house uh, you know, they do the little sequence of him running in the hot desert and showing up at the house. And then he discovers the photographs, um, in Randy's room, uh, with, uh, him and Sonny with Randy and Sonny. And then he like discovers that they had a relationship. Uh, the uncle, um, um, comes in and was like, Hey, you didn't know about them. Did you? Um, and that sort of like changes things for him. He's like, what the hell is going on? And then you find out that uh, Randy's whole attitude and everything is because he still loves her kind of thing. Um, mm. And that's why he's so protective of her. Um, I, I honestly, for whatever reason, and I'm sure it's said somewhere in the movie, but watching it the second time, um, I thought that they were like brother and sister. <laughs> and it was just Maybe like, it was just like had that brother and sister vibe you know that closeness that's mm -hmm. closer than like friendship but not as close as like 
marriage. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a bit like that as well. Yeah, and I, I it, once you discover that they were a couple, it kind of makes more sense, I guess. But through throughout the movie, yeah. I thought that they were like brother and sister, and uh, you know, the uncle is kind of both their uncles. <laughs> not the I don't know. I, I'm sure it's said in there that it's not that way, but I, I didn't catch it upon this this viewing of it. Um, so that was a super like surprise to me watching it the second time. I was like, oh crap! Oh whoa! Really? I don't remember. This that. really is a happy yeah. Like, wow, this really yeah. <laughs> um, so that was I. I loved that about it because I I totally forgotten major plot points in the film. You know, I, I've always liked this film and it's it's held a, you know a nice place in my memory. Um, but it was great having not seen it for so many years, and then it, it's almost like seeing it again for the first time uh, and having not remembered the, a lot of these major plot points for it. It gets pretty. Uh, it gets pretty nasty from there on. You know, you find out that uh, gets pretty dicey very fast. Oh yeah, definitely. Once you realize what's going on, it's like boom, 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 bish, bash, bosh. Yeah, which is good. Shovel. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> it, it picks up because you know most of the movie is kind of a slower pace um, film. Like I think they did a great job at the beginning and the ending of the film, where it's you know the beginning they don't they don't spend a whole lot of time on the backstory. They give you just enough you know information to to give a crap, you know, and then moving on because it's not really about that. It's very in the moment type of movie. Um, you know, although the lead character might dwell on his past a little bit throughout the movie, it's a very in the moment movie. Like we're following this guy in the moment and seeing his decisions and what he's choosing to do and how he gets caught up and stuff. Um, and then you get to the, you know, towards the end here and it just, things start rolling and it's just like, Whoa, you know, so I, I thought I felt like it it was a really good pacing and made sense for like that sort of noir style. Um, I feel like a lot of the classic noirs are kind of that way, too. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on in the middle that's at a slower pace. But then the resolution just comes in like a furious speed. It's just like just happened so quickly. It's like, whoa, what happened? What, what just happened? <laughs> What'd they say? I missed what happened. You know, a lot, I, I've had to do that a couple times with some noir films where I had to like rewatch like the last five minutes to catch the piece of dialogue that explained it, <laughs> you know. Or which of the 18 twists was the white one? <laughs> right. like, I had to do that with uh, Blue Dahlia. <laughs> That's one of the ones of, of recent that I had to, um, I don't know if you remember that, but there's this whole thing at the end of the film where they sort of explain stuff and they, you know, I think if I remember right, they retconned the original ending and, and changed it. And so there was like a, a lot of dialogue explanation for the, the plot. Um, but that was one of the ones I remember having to watch the end again to like, what did I miss? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. <clears throat> I do. Have to say, I really love the ending. Um, you know what? I'm going to let you take over because I feel like I've been talking forever and I want you to, because you you like this film, I can't believe I'd never seen it before. To be fair, yeah. So and I put off watching it twice. You put off watching it twice. Yeah, I thought it was going to be really boring. When I looked at the poster, I thought, oh, oh, I don't mind. Uh, It's pretty good. I I, it should be Ventresca up there instead of Brian Austin Green, but whatever. Yeah, it should be. Well, there's not really a lot, is there? I I was saying that I liked it when he delivers it to the police, just like locks her in the car. Up yours. (laughs) 
Did you not like that? Yeah, I did. That's just what you deserve, you horrible little witch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was so sad. It's been a long time since I watched a film that was that satisfying of an ending where they didn't die. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when she's screaming, like, I love you. Up yours. See you later. I'm off to the next town. Toodles. I can't remember if his mate comes and picks him up, the one that he originally was like, don't give me a lift. I'm done with life. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember if his friend comes, like, do you want to get in the car now? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, I'm happy that he came to a census kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like he could have very easily yeah. just said, fuck it. Okay, whatever. But and he's still a good guy. Like he's still, you know what I mean? Like he, he wasn't so far gone that he's just like, I don't, you know, sure. Let's, let's do some horrible things. What he's done in his past was not on purpose. It was on accident. And I think that's one of the cool things about his character is that his character doesn't actually change. He's still the same person he was in the beginning. And that's not yeah. that's not a usual thing. Just whether his past affects his future and obviously he decided not to. Mm-hmm. By just walking it. Because he could have killed her. Right. Yeah. He his his whole his whole story in this movie is just you know, he's sad. You know, he's he he's mad at himself, he blames himself. And until the end and then he comes around you know so he doesn't really have much of an arc and i'm cool with that it's it's, it's an interesting way to tell this story you know opposed to him saying okay screw it let's do this you know um mm. which i probably wouldn't have liked as much because then that turns him into a bad guy as well because yeah. he got stuck in all this by, by trying to save him if he would just walked off and left him none of this would have happened but i mean that's part of his the hippocratic oath of being a doctor though, you know, they weren't going to take him to a hospital. Right. So he couldn't let him die. Yeah. Couldn't leave him. Yeah. So I get that. That's, that's totally fine. Um, and that's, that's part of, that's the reason why I like this character, you know, is like, he's an actually a good person. A lot of times noir characters, they're not great people. Um, not saying that they don't have their reasons, but they're generally not great people. Uh, it's kind of, you know, a rarity. They usually get tied up in shit because they're morally ambiguous. <laughs> you know, he's not morally ambiguous. He's just hurting. <laughs> you know? Everybody else is morally ambiguous, definitely. <laughs> Including Carly. Can't swim? Jesus. Hey. <laughs> I should really because it's fucking rains a lot. <laughs> Did you not feel sorry for him when he got that job in the car? Because they just yelled at him. Oh. Yeah. Did you not feel sorry for him? They just yelled at him. And there's a guy that was like pissed off his nut. He wobbled off his chair to go in his car. And he was like, I'm not serving you. Give me your car keys. And then they fired him or whatever. <laughs> What's that about? Well, yeah, you know, I didn't feel sorry for him. I mean, that was inevitable. He's not a bartender. The dude went through like 100 years of college to become a doctor you know what I mean? So he's not going to purposely some advice on liver problems. Yeah, he's not going to keep feeding some dude who's killing himself, you know, with liquor. He's just not going to keep feeding it to him. He's going to be like, "Hey, man, you know, he did exactly what he did." I mean, that's that's why he's such a good guy, you know, because the job didn't matter. Like, just go and get 
get in the taxi and go. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to end well if you've just been fired for being a nice guy. Yeah, <clears throat> I didn't. I didn't feel bad for him. I, 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 I you know, I was happy because he he stuck to his guns. He did the right thing and that kind of thing. It's as small of a thing as it might have been because that guy's just going to be back in the bar tomorrow. Um, still, I mean that that's what made his that character uh, shine because. You know, he's just always doing the right thing, you know, no matter what he's faced with, because they're constantly trying to get him to do bad stuff. You know, and the worst thing he does is take part, I think, in the stealing of the uh, medicine. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, even that was not without purpose. Right. So he was trying to save a life. Yeah, it was to help a guy. Right. So it's all forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carly. I think it's time to rate this movie. Yay! What you got? Uh, nine. 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 Nice. Nine. Love it. Nine. I didn't give it a ten because it's a bit TV movie mm-hmm. style. I don't know. There's just something about it that makes me not love it enough to be a ten. Yeah. I am right with you. I give the movie a nine as well. And it has to do with the same exact issue. It's not necessarily that it's a low budget film that bothers me. That doesn't bother me at all. I think the storyline is perfect for its budget. Um, it's just the way that it's shot in some areas. It just seems like it's um, like it's a TV film. Like maybe the scheduling was too fast paced and they had to get stuff done. You know, there's certain areas like you don't really get to see a good, good shots of the bar or anything. Everything in the bars are like close ups, you know. Um, yeah, there's nothing. Everything's just very done, done, done. There's yeah. nothing. Yeah. <clears throat> there's not a whole lot of inspiring set dressing or any of that stuff. Um, you know, it's just it's it's very basic in a lot of areas such as that. So it doesn't have a sort of cinematic quality. And I, it's weird, though, because. There's some stuff in the film that that has that. So I feel like maybe it's an editing issue more so than anything else, because I feel like the 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 DP was, you know, comp- you know, I think he, I think he was it seemed like he had a good quality to him, like he was able to do this because there's plenty of stuff that yeah. looked good. Um, maybe just rest- Maybe he had his hands tied a little bit. It's something visually, isn't it, that just doesn't sit quite right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really comes, it just comes down to the shot choices, I think. And I'm not sure if that's DP or director um, or editing. There's, there's no telling. It's, you know, obviously it's one of the three, but um, I'm going to say editing because there's, a, there's definitely a lot of editing issues that I have with the movie um, that don't, they don't let, some of the characters emotions play out long enough and you know uh, just some little things bother me because there, there really is honestly some good acting in this film um in my opinion yeah. like i think everybody does a really good job in this movie so sometimes when they're cut short in their performances that, that bothers me because you could be quite a bit more emotionally attached uh if, if they had just edited it slightly different um 
So yeah, I, I fully agree with you on that. It does have sort of a TV film vibe, unfortunately. And I think that comes from most likely, in my opinion, probably from the editing and the music. The music is dreadful. It, it just feels mostly like canned music. It doesn't seem like it was actually scored. So just that twangy, which is fine. Like I get it. I mean, they're trying to tell you this is a middle of nowhere town, but you only need to do it once when he gets there and that's it, you know? Yeah. Then, then let the drama play. But they they obviously had a tough time with that editorially. And maybe that's why it didn't come out for, you know, seven years or whatnot. But I still love it. I still think it's a great film. I think uh, Ventresca is awesome, as always. Uh, Greg Henry is great. He's great in everything that he does. Opposed to what a lot of reviewers out there saying that Brian Austin Green was terrible. I thought he was pretty decent. It made me like him more than I did before. So that's a plus. Yep. Nine Nine gin bottles out of nine and nine from Carly. Yay. You have it guys. That is our long winded, overtly complicated, mispronunciated <laughs> review of purgatory flats. And a declaration of how much you love Vincent Ventresca. Oh God. I love the dude. He's amazing. Yeah. I'll watch him in anything. I really will. I will now as well. Yeah. Hey, did you see Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I originally saw the movie, I didn't know who he was. Like, like I didn't even remember him being in there. But uh, later on, I had discovered he was in it and went back and rewatched it. He doesn't have a huge part or anything, but um, he's in there. Definitely. But uh, yeah, so there you guys go. I hope you, uh, I hope you check out this movie. You can find it on Amazon Prime. There's a DVD available. Um it is in four by three, you know, 1.33 aspect ratio. So be prepared for that, but it's definitely worth watching. Introduce yourself to Vincent Ventresca. If you don't know who he is, then after you've seen this, maybe go back and watch the invisible man, which was a sci-fi channel show from 2000, 2001. He's just amazing. And I'm also going to plug this other Vincent movie, which is hilarious to me. It was one of the sci-fi channel movies, but it's called Larva. It's got another name. I don't know what it is, but Larva is the perfect name for it. Um, if you find that one, watch it. He's hilarious. The movie's fun. It's just a campy uh, sci-fi monster movie, but it's a really fun movie. It's probably the best one that sci-fi did uh, with him in it. So check that out as well. I think he did like an abominable snowman one as well. Anyway. I feel like you're really trying hard for that email that you're going to send to him. Like, oh, we got you like 25 new fans. We got your new views on your film. <laughs> hey, do what you can. I did this Facebook thing a while ago. So when you combine the sort of five, I mean, yeah, you do kind of owe us. So I mean. <laughs> everybody needs a champion, right? <laughs> no, I just, I think he's great. I think he's a fun actor. So check him out. All right, guys, there you have it. Uh, Purgatory Flats. Uh, that's it for me and Carly. We will see you guys on the next one. Until then. Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noircast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up and The Dark Side of Acting Up Volume 2, now available on Amazon. Or you can check out one of our films, also available on Amazon Prime. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Speakeasy Noircast.